Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. Last week, we talked about friendships and the importance of those little details in our life of how they translate, what they mean, when we don't have them, when they're not working, and all of those interesting kinds of facets that happen to every single one of us with our friends and our family, watching our children trying to be social and make friends, watching them get hurt, how to resolve it, how to fix it, are they worth it? Great podcast. Take a listen. But there's really some great information on there. This week, we're talking about how to talk to your children, or are you talking at your children instead of with your children? Very different concepts there, you guys. You've got to take a listen because talking to your child or talking at your child or talking with your child, very key components depending on the way you want to communicate, depending on what you want to say, when you want to say it, and then you have to add in the whole other additional component that your child is a developing, evolving human being who is going to be different every couple of months, especially when they hit those teenage hormonal things. And then you got a whole different dynamic. So it's really important. I want you to take a listen to this podcast today. We've got a great expert. We're going to be talking about talking with, talking to, or talking at your child. Stay tuned. Come on back. one 767 4966 or one 855 Now, Again, one 767 4966 Come on back. I want to hear what you have to say. Welcome back, everybody. Today we are talking about the common mistakes that many parents are going to be making, because we're human, when talking to our children. How should we be talking to our children? What tools do we need to have a dialogue that isn't going to end up in an explosion? How should we talk to our kids when they're not even our own children? Maybe they're our stepchildren. Maybe they're our brother or sister's children, or maybe they're our neighbors, or maybe they're the friends of your child, but you still need to know how to talk to them. And then I want to give you these four key points before we go. So take a listen. Come on back. one 855 sophie now So uh, with me today, welcome back, everybody. We are talking about how to talk, how to talk to, with, or at your child. And let me tell you, it's a real big issue because it is the crux of parenting. And joining me today is a wonderfully experienced expert, Dr. Melanie Greenberg. She's a PhD practicing psychologist in Mill Valley in San Francisco, California, expert on mindfulness, which is really a key component to making life in balance, because I use it. Communication, parenting, relationships, they're all her expertise. She has published a ton of articles, abstracts, books, and chapters, CNN.com, Forbes.com, Psychology Today, Parents Magazine, Oprah Magazine are the, some of the few places that you can find her, but she's all over the place, and she's got a great book. It's best-selling. It's called Mindful Self-Express Blog, and she is really unbelievably credentialed. So are you with me, Melanie? Hi. Yeah, thank you for that great introduction. You're welcome. You I'm earned honored, it. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. Oh, you have one of those accents. They're neat. Yeah. Is it yeah. real? In, in South Africa. Ah, that's why you were in Oprah, South Africa. That's right. Imagine yeah. <laughs> that. How are you? Good, good. Good to meet you. You too. Um, so tell me what you think about this topic. So I agree with you. I think that communication is the crux of parenting. Uh, it's in those day-to-day -day transactions that we communicate to kids, core values. We, it's an, we teach them skills, and we, we teach them about themselves. 
you know, kids are listening to what we say in, in, to determine whether they're lovable, whether they're, you know, whether they, the world respects them, whether they have control, and all kinds of things. Okay, and I, and I totally agree. But tell me what you think also about how important it is and when a parent should begin the process of laying the foundation or the framework of a communication dynamic. Because you and I both see parents coming in with their kids or their kids coming in and then bringing in their parents that never got off on the right foot. And we can talk how to fix that, but I want to talk a minute about what you think and your thoughts and feelings about how to set it up the right way. I think it's never too early <laughs> from the time that the kid is born to because um, the way that we talk to kids actually shapes their brain pathways. The way we don't, and, and even before speaking, the way we respond to kids as babies, you know, do we hold them when they need to be held? Do we, do we hear them? Or do we neglect them and, you know, abuse right. them? So the, the response to our infants... Yeah, you and, know, which in, in that way, it may be holding, it may be soothing, talk, talking soothingly. Um, you know, it may be respectfully, you know, teaching them what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and so on, but in a caring way. Um, but it begins early because if a kid feels that, that they're being responded to, that some that a parent sees them, hears them, they they begin developing their own brain pathways for self-esteem and for empathy and and ways to be learning to deal with their own emotions and recognize their own emotions. Right, but also, I and I am very big on this in the in the foster care system especially because we have a lot of children who are placed around the all over with multiple caregivers and they may not have they may have four or five maybe up to 10 caregivers within the first 12 months of their life which only breaks the inability you know which only breaks their yeah, attachments and their inability difficult. but i think it's key that parents and, and no matter who the child is being taken care of, even if it's a foster parent or whatever, you respond to your child timely because a child has to wait to get fed or changed or burped or consoled. Is it, It's killing their self-esteem, and those are the seedlings of self-esteem, self-worth, self-respect. So I think that's where the communication should really begin. What do you think about that when I tell you that? I mean, do you see that? Do you think it's important? Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it's, I think it's responsiveness. And obviously, sometimes practical limitations, you know, you do the best you possibly yes. can. But I think that responsiveness is key. On the, you know, in brain science, they kind of they show that when the kid and mom are kind of having the, on the same wavelength with the kid's needs being responded to and um, understanding each other, the brains kind of resonate together. And, um, you know, that's, that's a, a basis for secure attachment. But uh, but I agree. If you're not being fed, you know, then you feel like you, you begin feeling like you're not worth being fed. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. So you deal with this all the time, and and you think the framework is never too early to set. But on the other hand, is it ever too late? Well, I I don't think it's ever too late. I mean, we now know in the past ten years that um, the brain has plasticity. We used to think that our brains were fixed. I, I think they, you know, some periods are very important, like that first 18 months of life. And, you know, before, if you can get get to the kid there or before adolescence, you know, there's a the period of brain changing. So those, those are the most important periods. But even if you don't, if the kid isn't able to get good support um, and communication and responsiveness through that, 
they can always change as adults. It's, it's you know, in therapy or, or through respectful relationships. Good. So it's never too late either. It's never too late either. Exactly. All right. And so tell me a minute before we take on some callers or voicemails, emails, what do you think are the key components to good, solid communication for between a parent and a child? So I think that number one is, is um, listening. <laughs> and this is something that, that tends to get ignored. You know, we, um, parents, I think, are so busy speaking and, and wanting to kind of, you know, make sure the child hears all the things they have to do. But I think number one is listening because um, when you listen... To the child again you're modeling you they feel understood and they're more ready to then to listen to you um and that's the basis for you know they feel seen and heard and, and important uh, i also think um speaking clearly and briefly uh with you know a clear kind of goal in mind or the child knows you know what's expected of them many parents go on and on and on too long and the kid just tunes them out right and um the other thing I think is not not nagging and kind of getting being intrusive and getting in the kid's face. Um, we have much helicopter parenting going on today where parents take too much responsibility. And um, again, the kid's going to tune you out and, and you know not not feel that you you, you trust them to deal with the situation. Um, and then the other thing I think is blaming or shaming the kid. You have a kind of you know unrealistic expectations like two-year-old should care and should be considerate and and um, you know many parents really don't know developmentally what to expect and they may then you know respond inappropriately just looking you know attributing it to the kid's right, personality. Right, right. So I, I mean it just keep it short listen more don't lag and nag and all that kind of stuff and make sure it's age appropriate without a lot of guilt. That's right it sounds good. Because what you do is you get your kid and they're going to tune out. Yeah. And then they get angry and then they get that anger out in many different ways. That's and, right. and I think that it's important for parents to understand why it is they feel they need to go on and on and on and make a point. They're probably angry. They're probably bothered and irritated that this is about the 15th time they've said it. But what mm -hmm. I think it's imperative, and I don't know if you agree, that parents need to understand if you have to say it 15 times, something went wrong time one through 14. And doing it again and drilling it in deeper and harder and longer is not going to help. It's, there's a disconnect. And probably is you're talking too much or you're talking too often or there's too much guilt attached to it. So I think those key elements you just talked about are going to make it a lot better. And to, if you can start with that stuff, it's a lot better, I think, right? I agree. Yeah. Just, you know, repeating is kind of just making the same mistake. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and other, speaking of mistakes, I mean, what else do you see as common mistakes in parents besides this stuff when they're talking to their child? And when do you see it turning to talking at your child? Yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes parents, um, the timing, um, you know, so they may be um, the kids, you know, just home home from school and in the car and it's kind of a transition period for the kids they've had a you know a day of dealing with school and if a parent comes right at them with a whole bunch of like questions and demands and um i think that's bad timing yes how about um, blood sugar issues with hunger yeah that's another big one is that yeah they, they hunger 
So timing yeah. is key, and make sure you know what's going on with your child, where they're at, where they're coming from, because how you say what you're going to say, even though it may be perfectly limited and not nagging and directly appropriate for their age, it still may fall onto hypoglycemic ears or exhausted ears, and you still might get a bad reaction. Yeah, yeah, and I have a daughter, and, and that often happens. It's like she's thinking about that bagel and cream cheese. Right, and you're thinking about her homework that wasn't done yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and the schedule and the this and that, and I, she, she's just focused on getting me to stop for that bagel. And then do you ever wear the bagel and cream cheese? But they never throw it at me. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't the answer because she's probably come close. Right. I think she's too hungry. She doesn't. Um, she's kind of a picky eater, <laughs> so she wouldn't want to waste the bagel. All right. How about we take a caller? Okay, sounds good. Tina, you with us? Hi, Doctor Sophie. Hi, yes, you're Tina. on. Uh, nice to um, meet you. You're on with Melanie, uh, Doctor Greenberg, and myself. Okay. Hello, Doctor. Hi. Um, I am. I, I am in a position which I think a lot of parents are. Um, I have a sophomore and a junior in uh, high school. And they are more and more wanting to go to other kids' houses at night. And I'm always saying to them, why don't you have kids over here? And I'm starting to worry about what, you know, they're doing over there. And they're, they're both good kids, good students. But I just am in that position of they may be wanting to go to other kids' houses because they can do things there they can't do here because I'm pretty strict. Hmm. Hmm. You can go ahead, Dr. Greenberg, then I'll jump in. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think kids are very smart. Yeah, so they figure these things out, you know. I want to uh, go onto this, I don't know, YouTube channel or, or, or do this and that, and I can't do it at my house. They figure ways to do it. Um, I mean, you know, one thing is, it, it's not, you know, is that really the reason? I guess that's one question. Or do they just want to go hang out with their friends? But I still, I think that, you know, families, it's good to have clear rules about, um, you know, whose house you can go to and when. And, and, you know, one of the things might be that you, you know, that you've had a conversation with the parents at that house. Right. That's what I would, yeah. I mean, have you talked to these people? um, I know some of the other parents, but I haven't actually called them up. Because you, re- you really should pull all these people together, even by email, if you don't feel comfortable doing a phone call or have them over for something to drink or eat. But get to know everybody so that your kids feel, number one, they're safe. And number two, there's not a lot of room to play games because you guys are all connected and looped in together. But I guess my yeah. other question to you is, like, why do you think they, are you thinking they want to get away from you? No, I don't think they want to get away from me, but, you know, we don't let them drink in the house. And Well, then why wouldn't they want to get away from you? Oh, well. <laughs> do you see what I mean? I mean, that if they want to play and they do the things that are age appropriate, why don't you have a dialogue with them kind of saying, you know, uh, we're not, you know, we're not stupid here. We know what's going on. We know your kids and you're well, going to think have. about these I things. I have. I have had that conversation. And make it safe for them and say, hey, you know, have your friends over. But first find out if that's even what they're doing somewhere else so that you're not thinking they are and they're not. And then open it up to your own home or have all the parents over and their kids and whatever and send a message. It's safe to be yourself within a limit. I agree with that. And also, it's really good if you can and in, if you can get the parents to, have, to be a community. Right. Kind of a community of caring that supports the kids. And maybe you don't all have the same views, but, you know, you, you kind of, you can figure out who's, who's on the same page as you and try to, yeah. try to you know, find a collaboration together. 
Yeah, because it's really fun. I mean, when you have a bunch of parents together, you don't want everybody thinking the same way because it's boring and the kids get trapped in one way of being. It's oftentimes better to have people who are more lenient with one thing than another, and then that's where kids go to different houses for different things. It's like the strength of the parenting. So you're saying have the parents and the kids over. I would do that as a kind of opener for everybody and then keep a connection with the parents on a regular basis so the kids know they're, you know, they're surrounded in a safe but informative way. And, you know, everybody's looped together and there's no need to play games. We just have to be honest. And that's with accountability. Right. So they can't sneak around as easily. Because you're going to role model also, remember, for these kids of what they should be doing when they have kids. And you want to give them a little practice time. You want to let them have a little place to play before they leave your home and they're living in a dorm and they haven't ever done this kind of stuff. And then yeah. they go berserk. Because I see that a ton of times where parents are kind mm -hmm. of tight all the time and then they drop Johnny off in the dorm and they don't hear from him until <laughs> October when they're called from an emergency room. Right. I, I just feel like parents are, I, I mean, you hear this all the time, but parents are kind of in between a rock and a hard place because I don't mm -hmm. think... We can condone having drinking in our house, but right. you're right. Then you're sending right. them off to college with, you with know, no, no practice. Exactly. So, so I mean, maybe it's good they're getting some experience uh, at someone else's house. A little bit with some guidance and some supervision, and them knowing that that supervision is there is the key because it checks mm. and balances for them. Yeah, absolutely. So hanging out without supervision, you know, it would not be a good thing, and that's right. why the contact with the parents. Right. Because you don't want to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was thinking, you know, also, you know, have, having by that age, it's, you know, the kids, many kids internalize some of the values of the family. Right. If you've had good communication all along, so they become their values. You know, that's what you're hoping for. They may test the limits of them, but if they have some, you know, sense of who they are and why they're that way, I think that that can be a protective factor for substance abuse. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. Keep us Bye -bye. posted. Thank you. You know, one of the things I do want to clarify from our last caller was she's asking, what do I do with these kids? I think they're going over there to drink or whatever they're doing. I think it's important for you to be able as a parent to understand, is it you being just worried that maybe your kids are doing something and you don't trust them? Or is it really your kids are really exploring things and you're trying to figure that out if that's what they're doing? It's important to make that distinction and then have an open dialogue with your teenager especially because you want to understand where they're going, what they're doing, and you also want to let them know what you as a family have as a belief about drinking, underage drinking, drugs, all that kind of stuff, which hopefully you've had that conversation early on and they understand. But if not, reiterate it, you know, support that. Let them know what you think, what you feel as a family and what you're able to accept and allow or not communication is at that core root, don't you think? I think communication is at that core root. Um, and, you know, also having the kid feel like they can come to you with a, with anything, you know, without just being a punishing experience, even when they've messed up. Exactly. That you should be the person that they, they feel they can come to. And there may, there may be a consequence, but, you know, it would be a fair consequence and a caring. Yep. And you're going to help, you know, you would help them figure out how they're going to solve that problem all right. How about we do another caller? Okay. Sounds good. Let me see who's with us. Kelly, are you with us? Yes. How are you? Good. How are you? It's Dr. Sophie and Dr. Greenberg. Mm-hmm. Great. What's your question? Hi. Hi. An issue with my kids. 
Yeah. No matter what I do, no matter what I try, I cannot get them to listen to me, and everything is a fight. I mean, I just, I don't know what mm. to do anymore. How old are they? Uh, seven and 14. And do you have, is dad in the house? Yes, he is. Oh, okay. So it's the four of you. Yes. And have you always had this issue with them, or is it new? Um, no, it's been new. I mean, it recently just started when the older one started not listening. The little one followed right in the footsteps. Oh, don't you hate that? Dr. Greenberg, take it away. <laughs> they always learn from the older ones. Right. Those older ones are <laughs> devils sometimes. Yes. So, yeah, so, you know, that's one of the issues. And the older one is going through adolescence, you know, so that is the time of testing limits. I, I think, you know, this is something, one thing is to realize you're not alone. Okay. You know, every single parent, no matter, you know, has, struggles with this. Every single parent has kids that won't listen to them. Yes, they do. Okay. And, that, and by the way, kids aren't supposed to listen, you guys, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, they're testing their limits. Right. Is one thing. They want to see what, you know, what they can get away with. And, and they, you know, they're trying to kind of form their own opinion of the world and moving from being completely, you know, listening taking in everything you say to forming their own ideas. Um, so, you know, it's just, an, I think, many times a normal kind of a struggle. And I think one of the parents things parents make a mistake is they, they kind of get into this as a power struggle, or they let the kid kind of divert them into a whole big argument. Um, and so, you know, one of the ways to avoid power struggles is to kind of, um, you know, to to basically try to tune in and say, look, I've heard what your need is. I've heard it's really important to you to get that iPhone or whatever it is. And, you know, and, you, and you know, if you feel like all your friends have it. And so, um, you know, I don't, I, you don't need to tell me that again. So, so that's what, and then the other way is, and then, you, you know, you put your point of view, you know, but right now, you know, we've decided it's just too expensive for our family. And... Okay. And and it's cool if they don't like what you're saying, then, I mean, you just say, I understand you're not happy with this, but let's talk about it. You want a role model for them, right, Dr. Greenberg? That's right. I mean, yeah, yeah you're not supposed yeah. to like everything, but you've got to have the tools to handle it in a respectful way. But the other okay. key is, I mean, Dr. Greenberg, I'm sure you see this all the time, parents that get triggered. I mean, how many times, Kelly, do you get really angry when the kid's coming at you or whatever, and then the show begins? Uh, all the time. Right, and so then you're putting on this show for your younger one, and she's learning firsthand. And then the husband's sitting there like, uh, what am I supposed to do? Exactly. So, <laughs> so keep yourself in check. That's the key. I mean, try not to get triggered. Again, there were great tips that Dr. Greenberg gave earlier. You probably didn't hear them. But they are, you know, listen to your child. Don't talk at them. Like, try to talk with them. This is the whole topic of this podcast. But also, like, be patient and the timing, like don't bring it up when they're just getting ready for bed or getting up in the morning or, you know, they're hungry or they're coming from school and they're tired and, you know, and less is more with the words. Okay. I mean, who wants to hear a parent going on and on and on about telling them why they can't have something they want? No, right. I understand. And the same right. thing when you're telling them what they do, what you're giving them or whatever you need them to do. A few words goes a long way. Okay. I, I agree. And I also think it's kind of like... It's clear when it's getting nowhere. Um, so it's good so much to have a pet phrase. Yes, I hear you really want this. Right. I, you know, you just say the same, whatever argument they come up, you can just say that same thing. Eventually they'll get tired of bringing up 
Right. Okay. But also keep yourself in check, Kelly, because if you're you're irritated, know it. And say, you know what, you guys, let's take a break here because I don't want to say things I don't mean, and I'm sure you don't either. Let's take a break, hang out for a little while, go to our corners, whatever, come back in an hour or so and rediscuss maybe. Because then the emotions have calmed, and that's the right. better way to have an, a dialogue that is not emotionally based, it's intellectually based. Yeah, okay. I think that's really important, actually. And, and there's other tools, like maybe if the kids are just emotionally dysregulated, to kind of say, you know, I know this is really important to you, but it's difficult for me to listen when you're screaming at me. Right. So, you know, I, you know, can could you please take a break and... And we right. that. But meanwhile, the kid could be saying that to you, Kelly. It's hard for me to hear you, Mom, when you're, like, yelling at me. Right. So everybody's got to keep themselves in check, be respectful, take a break, unhook, take a look is what I say when you need to step back. Okay. All right? Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Keep us posted. Thank I will. Interesting things, but I think they're very common, Dr. Greenberg, that parents get pulled in, they get irritated, their emotions flare, they lose their focus. But I think your key tips are really very important. You know, listening is number one. The style that you set early is key. And the timing is unbelievably important. And it does not need to be a guilt-ridden process. Yeah, I think that's where parents also trip themselves up is they, they, um, they get guilty and, you know, they're not sure what is appropriate. Right. And then they get um, pulled in and they lose their focus. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think, I think like many of our parents or grandparents' generation, they were very, you know, that war generation, they were well, very strict and you didn't have a say as a kid. Right. And, um, and then I think, you know, parents today, go, they, they kind of realize that parenting didn't work for them. So they often, so they want to be, you know, those good, kind perfect parents, and then they go the other way sometimes, where, you know, right. they're too lenient and there's no guidance. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you helping my guests, or my callers, and your expertise, and your accent is very, very interesting. Oh, so tell me, where can we find you in all of your wonderful work? It was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Um, so I have a blog on sex. I'm, I'm writing, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book. Good. On, Positive psychology and mindfulness, but it's not out yet. Okay. So I have um, a blog on psychology today, right. um, and it's called The Mindful Self Express. Okay. So if you go to psychologytoday.com and you put in mind, um, Mindful Self Express, Self Express, you'll find my blog. Okay. Um, but you could also follow me um, on Facebook. It's just um, www.facebook.com slash mindful self express. Got it. Um, and then I have a, a website that's more about my clinical services. That's what we want to hear about. Um, and that's um, MelanieGreenbergPhD.com slash Marin. Psychologist. I got it. But if you can't find it, just Google me because I come up a lot, you know, a lot of stuff. My stuff comes up. We will Google. be Googling you, Dr. Melanie Greenberg. Thank you for your time today and your expertise. Thank you so much. Have a great day. It's been a pleasure. Okay, Thank bye-bye. You. Well, that was very interesting. With me today was Dr. Melanie Greenberg. She's a PhD psychologist practicing in uh, San Francisco area, California. Lots of good tips and advice. We had some good callers. And I think it's very important that we are aware as parents that we make the distinction and we role model for our children that we are talking with our children, not 
to our children or at our children because it will fall on deaf ears eventually and create a lot of anger that will come out in not great ways oftentimes. So it's important. But your takeaway today are these four tips. I want you to really remember that role modeling that, good communication, laying that foundation of talking to and and with your children is so much safer and will buy you so much more of a better relationship forever with your child if you start early and it's never too early to start even from infancy and feeding your child on time and meeting their needs is sending them the message they're worth it their self-esteem goes up their self-respect goes up and they feel loved and cared for and they will role model and you start that camp that communication dynamic early on so that they understand that you react to them and you react with them that you're not just there screaming at them or droning on them so that's the number one thing start early and have a good communication dynamic and number two i want you to understand that it's very very important to have some key elements in that communication that you're setting up with your child and that is listening more than you're talking actually that is a really effective and less noisy mode of communication with your child and much more effective if you listen to them first and then talk because if you talk they click off after a while so listen limit the talking don't drone on and please don't make it laden with guilt because they don't need the guilt because that's what the click off comes about so you're setting it up early you're doing it by listening mostly guilt-free and then you're timing it appropriately you're making sure your child isn't hungry and their blood sugar is down or they're exhausted from school or they just had an argument with somebody else or they are tired and getting ready for bed time your discussions appropriately because otherwise you are going to give them information on top of a bomb that may go off and then you get an explosion so timing is key and then the guilt piece again please no guilt it's not like you're two years old you should be doing this or you're 10 years old and how dare you do that it's guilt and guilt makes people angry shameful and they just shut down so start early listen time it right guilt free and you're home free then with good communication to talk with your child i'd like to say thank you to all of my listeners and my callers for today's show it's always helpful to have people's perspectives because all of us are in this together and it does take a community and we learn from each other Podcasts are always available on my website at www.drsophie.com and on iTunes. Again, www.drsophie.com. My new phone app will be out soon, so keep an eye out. Lots of really fun stuff. We're putting a lot of work into that, and you're going to enjoy it. Always call my voicemail if you need anything, 1-855-767-4966, one 767 4966 Again, the title of my book is Side by Side, the revolutionary mother-daughter program for conflict-free communication. Grab a copy. Can't hurt. Always follow me on Twitter, Facebook, for TV appearances, any updates that you need to know, any little contests we're having, or if we're looking for anybody to come onto the podcast, so keep your eyes out. Visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing is, please, don't forget to sweep. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head